0: Welcome to Mouthing Off with Olivia. Hey guys, it's Olivia Caridi from The Bachelor, the girl with probably the biggest mouth you've ever seen. But now I'm using my huge mouth to talk really smart things with my favorite reality stars, influencers, YouTubers, you name it. They're gonna mouth off too. This is Mouthing Off with Olivia. Okay, we are doing a guest swap. If you haven't listened, I was on Juicy Scoop. The week of, what day is it, Heather?
1: You were on Tuesday's show, October, what was that, 8th, 8th,
0: yeah, and it was good. So now Heather McDonald is with me. Yay. I'm so pumped. So as I was just saying, you think I'm single because I have five dogs. Listen, I'm going to go, I have not said this
1: out loud yet, because I know people are going to freak out. But I'm very um, intrigued by people in their 30s beautiful women in their late 20s early 30s who are have similar stories to yours you know just not really dating haven't had a boyfriend in a while single and i think it's because of dogs i think they're so fulfilled in their life if they have a dog or dogs that they're getting love they're getting companionship they have someone to that they have to care for they have to get they can't go for drinks after work because they have to go walk the dog. Um, and it it's just this like filling a void where that, that need to go out is like not is is not as urgent. And the next thing you know, it's years and years and years, and you're not really actively dating. And your dog's thrilled about it because your dog is it gets to watch Netflix with you. you you never the dog never is being stood up. Because you went out for drinks. And I'm not saying the dogs don't deserve
0: to have that life. Do you know what kind of dogs I have? (laughs) No, I don't. Have you seen How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? No, but did she have? Hudson and Matthew McConaughey? Oh, come on. No, no, of course. No,
1: of course I've seen the movie. I remember a couple of funny parts. The hairless
0: dog that peed on the pool table. So you even have the dog
1: that was featured in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Five of
0: them. Why do you have five of them? Because I would love a a Chinese crested farm if I could.
1: Oh, my God.
0: That's why I wanted a hometown date on The Bachelor, just so the world could be introduced to hairless dogs.
1: Wow. Okay. I mean, well, I'm sure you're giving them a great life, even though you don't have one yourself.
0: Heather, P.S., I love that you asked me questions about my career. So I have the follow up to questions about your career. I rarely get asked about my career.
1: Oh, well, you know what? I have a compliment for you. Uh oh. Um, someone DM'd me after and said they loved hearing the interview and they they totally w- was in your hometown and said you were the best that, that they've towns ever had as a local anchor. And oh couldn't believe when you made The Bachelor because she watched you every day.
0: Wow. Yes. Well, that's huge. That's really I know. Fine. So isn't that a nice compliment? Yeah, that's huge. And I just, I never get asked about life as a news anchor. So that was really cool. And so many people just wanted to know the history of how you became the badass that you are.
1: And oh. obviously,
0: like most people... Would probably know you originally from Chelsea lately, of course, yes, is that how how you got started? so i I
1: started doing stand up my first year out of college, and i I pushed it off. Um, I always knew I was funny. My parents <laughs> would say you should you should do stand-up at a music teacher that said, "I can't why are you even going to USc? You should just go do stand-up." okay, so I don't think a lot of stand-ups actually have a a story like that where their family and people really encourage them to do it um, they were very encouraging about it but I was like no you know it's too hard and I didn't understand how people that didn't know me I didn't understand how comedy works that in writing stand-up you is there's a way of writing it so that someone who doesn't know you can still relate to your story so I kind of thought oh well if, you know i'm getting all these laughs because i'm in doing an impersonation of the algebra teacher but how could a stranger find that funny you know i didn't understand that so after college i got a job because i wanted to be really independent and i just was like i just want to have my apartment in brentwood with my friends and anyway it was a horrible job it was like a little dumb assistant buying job for a big major department store but it wasn't like fashion creative it was just like a lame job um but Anyway, thank God they fired me. So when they fired me, they were like, the woman's like, hey, she calls me up. Hey, are you free today around five? I'm like the human resource person. I'm like, "Mm, five on Friday. This doesn't look good. And then I was going down the escalator and she was going up and I smiled at her and she like avoided eye contact like the plague. (laughs) So I knew I'm like, this is the end. This is definitely ending. And I had just started taking these stand up classes. So as I was crying, as she fired me. I was like, well, would you like to come to this stand-up show? And she's like, I've never had, this has been the greatest, she goes, I fire people all the time. I never had someone then invite me to like what they should be doing. I'm
0: firing you. Let's Yes. And out. you, <laughs> yeah, you should be pursuing this
1: other thing. So I started doing that and then stand up and at the same time, I went through the whole program at the Groundlings, which is sketch, comedy, improv, um, lots of SNL people come from there. It's been around forever. And then I got my first writing job at 27 for Keenan Abbey Wayne's. He had a late night talk show. And from there I, you know, I would get acting roles and writing roles throughout the years, got married, had my babies. And then um, I didn't I kind of stopped doing stand-up for many years because I was never like an established stand-up. And it was I lived far from the clubs and I was just like, whatever. And so one day I um, I was watching Last Comic Standing and it really made me miss standup. So I said to myself, I go, you know what? I'm going to start doing stand-up again, but obviously I can't use any of my old jokes from seven years ago when I was single. So I started to like write kind of mom centric, like funny stuff. And literally, you know how you, I'm very much about the secret and putting things out in the universe, but I've never bothered to like get magazines and cut them out and do a vision board. I just literally just like say it or vision it in in my head. Right. And I said, um, So the next day, this girl that used to put these all girl shows together at the improv, Lisa Sunstead, she called me out of the blue. I hadn't talked to her in like seven years. And she's like, you know, I ran into someone who knew you and I can't believe you quit stand up. You were like one of my best girls. And I was like, well, I don't think I quit. I go, but ironically, like I was like thinking, how do I get back into it? She's like, why don't you do a show of mine in a month? So then I had like a deadline, which I've always worked really well with deadlines. You know, that's the only way I wrote, you know, I always wanted to write a book. I didn't write a book until I got a deal and had a deadline and someone was paying me. So it's like, so I'm like, okay, I have a deadline. So I just kind of practiced my material on my sister. I called um, a couple of my good comedy friends that I'd been in touch with, like Ian Edwards, who's hilarious. And, um, and, And then I got up and did the first my first 10 minutes that I hadn't done in seven years and Chelsea was on the show, Natasha Leggero, Sarah Colonna, Tig, Tig, all those women would do these shows. And, um, and so then I started doing a couple of them and I liked Chelsea a lot. I liked her act. And, uh, and then, and that same woman, Lisa told me, Oh, you know, she's going to have her own show on E it's going to be every like, but it's like five days a week. And, it's going to be a big grind. And my friend Lisa was like, I don't know if I want to commit to that because she was like a big voiceover artist. And I'm like, well, I want a full time job because I'm 36 years old. And if I don't get back in the game now, um, it's going to be really hard to do it later. And it's really hard because your, my kids were young. My, um, we had uh, shared custody of my stepdaughter and then my who was like seven. And then my sons were four and a half and like one and a half. And I, I still worked doing real estate and stuff, but I never had like full-time help or anything like that. So I was like, "Oh my God." and so then I but I reached out and so I emailed her, that's what happened. I emailed her, but we weren't but we weren't close, like we knew each other, but we were close, and I emailed her, and I said, "Can I submit for this?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, and so. You know, I was like, well, I've written for the Waynes brothers, you know, and I can write for black men. I can certainly write for like a funny drunk blonde girl. And I knew her act. So I wrote all these jokes like in her voice. And, um, And so then I had a meeting and the EP liked me. And then they called and I figured, you know, this will go on for 13 weeks and then I'll get canceled. But at least I have a credit, at least I'm kind of back in the game. And I remember, but I was still very much like mom guilting out about leaving my boys every day. And I called this mom friend of mine at the time to tell her. And she's like, you better take that job because in 10 years, those boys aren't even going to look up from their Xbox when you walk into the house and you're going to (laughs) say, why the fuck did I not take that job at E that was like so perfect for me? Because I loved E like actually like when they were teaching us about the marketing, they were like Heather is the exact demographic, like young mom, this socioeconomic educated, whatever. So I was like, it was so it was so easy for me. It was so what I was into, and so to be there from the very conception of the show, I really helped kind of conceive and how the show evolved. Because at first it wasn't so comedy driven. At first she had had more like e reporters on, and then we just made them all comics, and then it became almost like a sketch show, and then you know throughout it. So yes, in that I was I asked for the job, which I think people need to put it out there because I also think Chelsea was a little surprised that I would want to write for her only because she was someone that I would see throughout the years where we'd both be going out for the same hosting jobs. Mm. So sometimes I think someone thinks, Oh, I I thought she was pursuing acting. I wouldn't know that she'd want to write for me. Right. But I loved being in a writer room and I never had any ego about it or anything. And then of course, so I thought the show would last 13 weeks. It lasted seven and a half years and it only ended because she didn't want to do it anymore. That's a misconception too, that it was canceled and it absolutely wasn't. So, yeah, it was, you know, and it was a great time in my life. But as far as, yes, when I've had other series, because I had this MTV series with Tracy Ellis Ross, there were times I'd get a little recognized, I'd get a little recognized from White Chicks, I still do today. I, I bet on Fraser. I'd get recognized from that, or Drake and Josh or whatever, but not until the show. And I remember the first time I was on the show it was the Wednesday, the third show, and that weekend I went to the mall and, somebody recognized me from the show and I walked in and I was like, Chelsea, I got recognized from the show. And she was like, I have chills. Like we it was it was a very exciting time because um all of our lives like
0: changed and we were all really, really good friends. I remember it. I yeah. remember watching it every night. It was yes, I remember, chewy. I it, uh uh-huh. it's so close. Like that that's how I I found you. But I think it's also super cool when you talk about Getting your your big, like, not break, if you will, but getting your foot in the door.
1: Yes. it I mean, that definitely was like the life changer. I mean, it was a change in my career at the time. I was, you know, had my real estate license all those years. And so instead of being a bartender, I would do real estate with my parents, or my friends would get a series and they'd use me, you know, and then I'd see how much they were making on an episode. I was like, fuck, you know, but I'd happen to sell them a house, you know. And, um, so I was always doing all of that. And then I remember after the first year I was on, I still kept up with, you have to take these classes and things to keep your license in check when you're a realtor. And then finally, like around like year three, I was like, all right, I'm gonna let it expire. Right. <laughs> like, I, I'm not gonna think in my head that this isn't gonna work out forever and I'm gonna have to go back to real estate. And, um, you know, uh, so, so yeah, I, I it was it was great. And the grind of it was fun and, All the fun perks of, you know, performing on the road with Chelsea, and the other comics. And, you know, that show made me a headliner in my own right, which was great. So I could headline clubs on my own. And then I got the two book deals and that those I sought out too because I was like, okay, I've always wanted to write a book. And my first book is you'll never blue ball in this town again. And You know, Chelsea was an inspiration for that book too Because she had such a hit book with My Horizontal Life But there were lots of other books Like that I loved That um, were like You'll never make love in this town again Which was about like these high class Prostitutes like in the 90s And I loved like any stories like that Like I loved reading like slutty stories yeah. you know and like but the thing is I wasn't that I was a virgin till I was 27 you were yes but I had all these great stories because I dated all the time I went on dates
0: all the time I thought I was late to virgin virginity breaking right wow and
1: basically you would never know and I was closeted Like, none of my friends knew, except
0: for maybe, like, my two best friends. So you dated a lot. You just didn't have sex. Right. So I
1: dated a lot, always hoping that, you know, uh, by the fourth or fifth date, we'd be a couple, and then I would, you know, tell them, and we'd bone, and then that would be it. I was never, like, saving it like a super Christian or anything like that. Marriage. Yeah, and I have nothing against anybody that does that. But that, yes, when I raised Catholic, and yes, did my mom, like, instill that in us, but... You know, my sister, you know, was a virgin for a lifetime, but then eventually she had, like, a boyfriend, you know, in law school and <laughs> stuff. But I just kind of was like, well, God, I've, waste- I've waited this long. Like, I just don't want to have sex with some guy, you know, in the SAE house and then have oh, him skateboard wow. past me at Tommy Trojan. Like, that, I was like, Heather, <laughs> you might kill yourself after. Until finally, I got so old, I was like, all oh, right, I don't give a fucking shit. Like, rip off the band-aid. What was it like? Just, like... Like, I finally, like, I was dating this guy... Um, that I dated in college okay. whose mom okay so my mom was a Gamma Phi Beta yeah. Okay. and and she was very active in like the San Fernando Valley Gamma Phi Beta so she made friends with this guy's mom who was from a different school and they actually do stuff so then when he transferred to SC the guy I went to a couple of his Sigma Chi parties and we like made out but <laughs> I'm so pissed because my mom must have told his mom that I was a virgin. And then she told him, you absolutely cannot have sex with Heather McDonald. And he kind of told me that. And I think, so then he kind of broke up with me because everyone's like, well, God, if you know for sure you're never gonna have sex with the person who's gonna- Why would I do this? Why would you try? So years later, I see him at a club in Santa Monica and we start dating and he had, he's, you know, in the film as a treat. He's pretty fun, and he has like his own nice apartment off Sunset. And he was a good guy. Like he came to see me at the Laugh Factory. He got me a real gift for my birthday. He took me out to dinner, and I was like, "All right, let's do it." Like I'd already, you know, blueballed him for many times. Let's just do it. Just put on the con. Let's just do it. And then I, I remember I called my sister the next morning. And I'm like, "Well." I've been waiting 27 years to make this call. She's like, "Finally!"
0: But isn't it so anticlimactic on Totally. Totally. And I and it's like in the book, I there
1: were so many times where I'm like, I cursed my virginity, I was grateful for my virginity. Like in some ways, I didn't have significant relationships that might have kept me from pursuing my dreams because You know, so many times I'd see girlfriends that would like quit a job because they couldn't spend the amount of time they wanted with their boyfriend after work or, you know, or girls in the business like me that, you know, were dating fellow actors and there was jealousy. So they would step back or female standups would step back so that their man could shine. And and that never happened to me. So I'm always like, I think. In that respect, everything happened for the reason. But, I mean, I was dating, like, rich guys that were, like, wanting to take me to Hawaii. And I was like, no, because obviously I'm not an asshole. I'm not going to go to Hawaii and then blue ball you. Like, i got to have sex with you, but I haven't had sex yet, so I can't just go on this trip. And so that's why I'm obsessed with hooker lights. And that is a term I've coined, and it is for girls that are, like, not full, full-blown hookers. <laughs> Like, it's like a mini hooker relationship in that you're really seeing this person because you're getting some money or some bags. Making arrangements. Yes, all of that. Sugar babies, I find oh it.
0: God. I wish I could do
1: it. I know. I don't think I could either because I couldn't even, like, go have dinner with someone I didn't like. And I was starving all the time. So I was, like, hungry and wanted some food. But sometimes I would go on a date just just for the shellfish, <laughs> just to have something, like like some protein, but, but then also I'd go like for material, like I'd be like, all right, I'll go out with this guy. I'm sure I'll get like a story to talk about on stage. Um, so anyway, going back to the Chelsea. So when the, so then I was like, all right, let me try to do a, um, and you, you know, every book deal is different, you know, depending on how famous you are or how odd it is. But I wrote 80 pages of a proposal and three chapters and um was able to get that book deal and so and then after that i was able to get the second one and it was hard because it's like people only give you jobs when you're really busy when you when you when i had all the time in the world and i could have leisurely like written you know for an hour a day while my kids were babies while the sun was out and chirping nobody's gonna buy that nobody wanted the book then but when i had only the weekends and literally had to like jam it in on the weekends and try to do it that's when people want it. So um, yeah, but I, I that was that was great too to be able to to you know, get the book deals and get the even get the books out. Yeah.
0: So I posted on Facebook that I was recording with you and Ellie Frystack said, "Do you have a favorite Chelsea lately segment or moment or memory?"
1: Well, I mean, so many memories. I probably had the most fun ever filming after Lately, which again, was an extremely exhausting time of my life because we would take the show, the regular show during the week. And then we had like, you know, and for people that don't know, after Lately was this, we did three seasons and it was kind of like a curb your enthusiasm where we, it, you watch it and it's done like we were having a reality show. And all the storylines were based in reality. Throughout the times that we weren't filming after Lately, something would happen and Brad Wallach would like, who was in EP, would start to like go, that's a great story. And sometimes the story would happen to someone else and they'd make it like happen to a different person just because it fit better with the A, B and C story that was happening. And um, so, you know, and so we were sort of heightened um, personas of ourselves. So they kind of made me like literally on the poster, it said the fame whore. <laughs> like I was just out to like make friends with anybody that came on the show, which Isn't it all true? Like, I become friends with people and then I'm actually able to maintain relationships. And so then I'm friends with them for a long time. But, like, a lot of these people that I'm friends with that are famous now, I knew them before they were famous, you know. But but for the show purposes, it looked like I was, you know. And I, I was fine with that. Like, it was great and it was really funny and they you know obviously I had Peter and the kids made an appearance and all that was really fun so that was probably the most fun I had which there's too many memories to count but the segments that I loved were um, a couple segments that came towards the end of the show which was Heather reviews movies That she hasn't seen yet Because I would like See like a bit of a preview And then I'd just be like Let me just tell you What this movie's Going to be about And so then this one producer Was like I love it And so I remember one time It was like Smurfs 2 And I just made it All about like A Smurf coming out And being gay And like How Papa Smurf Was like he had like a, a You know like a broke back mountain moment And he couldn't pursue it back then And I just would like make up this whole weird thing And they'd show like literally there'd be Little bits of the trailer that would Would act would kind of go with what I'm saying So that was really fun and then just lots Of like I also did this girl That was Chelsea's makeup artist This woman named Gina, Gina We called her Regina the makeup artist And I used to do her and Chelsea would laugh so hard And um Because she was like a know-it-all like she was like We didn't know how old she was, but like she'd slept with every rocker and she would, you know, she'd be like, "Um, yeah, so when I was with the lead singer of the Rolling Stones, you're like, you mean Mick Jagger? You're like, just, and then these stories like, so I started to do these segments where I'd like, you know, if we had a star come in, like I did it with Kathy Griffin and I did it with um, Kelly Osborne and I would kind of be rude to them while I'm doing their makeup, but say this thing. And with the first time we did it, I was like, the makeup artist, Chelsea was in it and Chelsea was getting her makeup done and I'm like, I really don't want Gina to see me right. do her right in front of her. Like, I know it's no secret now and she's just like, I mean, you don't even sound like me. I'm like, I'm not doing you, Gina. I'm not. I'm doing, I'm doing a, a, an impression of Cher mixed with Gina mixed with like, so that was, that was really fun. Like, she was just really fun to do and uh, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun and what was cool about it and what I love about the podcast and, and um, social media now is like, if something happens in the news and it's really funny and I have an immediate idea to parody or whatever, we, I can do it that day. And what I liked about it is that we would do that at Chelsea that night. And then like six days later, you'd see it on SNL. right And I was like, well, whatever, we did it first. Nobody saw it, not as many people saw it, not nobody, but not as many people saw it. But I just kind of like being like, and sometimes I feel like ideas like that are the best when they're done like in a few hours you know when when too many people rewrite it and redo it then by that time it airs on snl it's probably not as funny as when the person first said it in the writer's room
0: so when chelsea you say that the chelsea said i don't want to do this anymore right did you feel like she was wanting to stop or was that a shock to you when it when it happened
1: well we the the contract um was coming to an end. The show was supposed to go to the end of 2014. In fact, we had fought really hard with the writers of The Soup and we became the first um, Writers Guild show ever that E had to follow the Writers Guild rules, which we went down to the Writers Guild um, offices and went back and forth with their attorneys, all of the writers from Chelsea Lately and the writers from The Soup for many weeks. And I remember thinking, wow, this is a really interesting part of my life. I've never been part of a, you know, I was already part of the union that, you know, that they weren't. And um, but I liked seeing the process of it and how they'd be like, you know, kind of try to guilt us into like, well, what are you going to do? Are you really going to strike? And and the other people will suffer. And we had we were guilting into that. No, you know, none of us wanted to strike. actually we came to agreement. Where they would renew our license every six, not our license, they renew our um, our jobs every six months. Yeah. So we knew it was going to go till the end, and then, um, you know, we didn't know what she was going to do. And so then one day I was on my way to the Laker game, and I saw a TMZ thing, and her manager at the time had said it on the red carpet that. The show is ending
0: that's how you found out
1: that that's how i found out yeah so then i was like oh, okay so i guess it is ending but it'll end at the end of the year so i i thought oh well at least we have the end of the year but then um she said some disparaging things about e-network executives on howard and so then that day we thought the show was going to end that day and i remember calling my agent and being like Aren't there some f- comedy festivals in Ireland I could bring my kids to this <laughs> summer? Like I was kind of like, how do I make this? You know, and then they're like, okay, we're we're mutually agreeing to end the show at the end of August two thousand and fourteen. And then Chelsea got her own deal for Netflix, which was fine. And we all knew it was going to end, which was fine. Yeah, I I was happy in a way because I would have never quit because I I loved doing the show and. Because I'm not somebody that has the balls to quit a job. Like I, I hear I was on a show where I was, where I loved the people I worked with. I got to be funny every day and I got to be on TV and I still, most nights got to be home by like 7.30 in a TV world. So I wasn't going to, you know, draw, even though throughout the years there were things at the show that I didn't, you know, that had changed, but I still was like very happy. And, but then once that happened, I was like, okay, well now I am going to be forced to do something more because I do believe I was put on this earth and in the business to have a higher profile than what I'm having on this panel, but I would have never quit. So with the way it happened, I was like, okay, good. And then, you know, and then I had my special come out like three days after the show ended and, you know, I was able to get, I got another TV show on TLC, which didn't last, but, and then shortly after that I started the podcast. So it all like worked out the way it's supposed to, but, um, yeah i mean i i never you know it's it's unfortunate because nothing has ever really replaced that show like at midnight was a funny show with a panel but i don't it wasn't that camaraderie that like where we would get into each other's like personal lives and business business you know like you knew that joe koi had a son you knew that this person was single you knew i had kids like i think people loved that feeling of like knowing everybody really well. And I don't know that a show will ever be like that again because it like wasn't set out to be that way. And I think now when people put very funny panel people on their show, they all have so much going on, it doesn't really work like that. But we, you know, they were smart enough and we were smart enough to like use the writer's room and chose writers that could also be on camera, which didn't require and also didn't demand an actor's fee. Like we got paid a very little part to be on the show, but we were thrilled with that because it was feeding our our everything else for us. So it was like a win win. That was just really fun. Yeah.
0: Well, and there was no no secret at the time that there was some back and forth between you and Chelsea. Oh, afterwards. Yes. Yes. Was it in any way upsetting that after such a fun experience and such a good run for you that there was tension between you and her
1: there wasn't any tension at the end there wasn't it was it was two years two years after I did a podcast um Theo podcast and um and he had asked me you know was it stressful there because he had done an appearance and he felt it was stressful and I asked and I answered very honestly I said, yes I was stressed yes I was stressed yes I was afraid that I could be fired at any second
0: which is, I feel like every...
1: I don't think people realize that about TV shows, you know. It's very it's very personal. It's very, you know, it, I, I am not the one, you know, engineer that knows how to work this thing that you can't get rid of me. You know, it's if you all of a sudden don't like me anymore and you don't like my face anymore... There's someone else. They can fire you, you know. So, you know, if anybody's seen the movie Late Night that uh, Minnie Kaling wrote, I just saw it on the plane... She gets the job writing for um, the woman, the woman, I forgot her name, but the lead, she has a late night show. And she gets in the office and she's sharing it with this guy who's like in his mid forties. And she's like, oh, did you just get the job too? Because he hadn't decorated his office. And he's like, no, I've been here for 26 years. I just, if I get fired, I want to be able to pack up my stuff and get away really quick. And so I was like, that is the most truthful part. I mean, that movie is really good. And she did a really good job to understand what it's like cuz I don't think people understand. They're like, "Oh, if you're not happy, why?" You know, and I was happy. I but I expressed that I was scared of being fired and then they took that um sentence and released it to TMZ 5 days before the podcast was available and that was the only thing that got to her and I at that time didn't know how to handle the hate that I was getting and I thought We weren't, you know, when things end with her, she she usually doesn't continue relationships, whether it ended badly or not. So I hadn't heard from her and I hadn't reached out. And I was like, oh, is she even going to care? Like, I'm not on her radar. Hopefully this will just go away. And then I woke up that morning and I listened to it because I couldn't remember what I'd said. I'd done it many months prior. And I said very positive things about her. But she never listened to it and nobody else did. She just saw the one clip. Yeah. And then that headline set her off. And then she said untrue things about me. I've never sold a story about anybody to a tabloid. I had a writer's guild salary. I wasn't selling things for $50. There was not one article that you could like point back to me that was about her. You know, she wasn't really in the magazines because she revealed everything about herself on the show. So there was no scandal that I could have shared I've never, ever done that. But once it's out there, it's like the toothpaste out of the tooth, whatever it's called, you know, the, to, people will believe that till I die. People, the day I die, someone will go, you know what, that she was a bitch. She sold stories about her best friend. And it was career debilitating at the time. Um, and we did have an ex- text exchange afterwards where she understood the misunderstanding and I wished her good luck. We have not run into each other since. And um, again, wishing her the best of luck. But what, you know, for so long, I mean, I, I stressed about it. It's definitely one of the five worst things that have ever happened in my life next to my parents dying. I mean, it was absolutely awful to have people think that about me. When I've had friendships, my two best friends are from first grade and um the girl I met at the high school entrance exam and my other best friend is who I met the first day in the dorms I keep relationships I this is not I'm not someone that climbs a ladder or anything like with social stuff I um I didn't aspire to have more I'm in the same house that I had before I got the job you know I I, so for me it was very to hear you know people write me mean things it was awful in the end thank God I had the podcast so that now people that listen to me know me understand me and I what I've learned from it is when something like that happens and it recently just happened in Atlanta where this girl was saying shit about me I immediately called the radio station and explained to the girl that it was about the there was massive miscommunication on the venue part and I didn't even listen to all the awful things she said about me I just felt so badly that that she didn't have a nice experience and that's a whole nother long story too. But I was like, no, 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 I'm going to nip this in the bud because I didn't nip it in the bud during that time. Like had I, I wish I would have, you know, but as far as all that stuff goes, thank God, I had the wisdom to say, you know what, everything does happen for a reason. And, and it may take you years to one day go, wait a minute hold on. If that didn't happen, then that wouldn't happen. And that wouldn't happen. And I wouldn't have been here, but it may take a very long time. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having regrets no. of, of what you may have said or regret saying something, or I regret, but had the stuff ha- not happened with the, with the, with the press around the Chelsea thing, um, and nobody wanting to hire me, I wouldn't have the only thing at that point that I had was the podcast and my standup. So I had to put everything into that. And, and now it's, it's super successful. And I think had that not happened and I went around life with, Oh, I've got a spot on a panel here and I've got a writing job here. And I got a, Now I would be currently unemployed and not have the platform, try to be getting into something that's much harder to get into four years later. And so yeah. I. So now I go, yes, I'm glad everything happened the way it happened. And I'm glad I can share wisdom. And, you know, and, and there's certain things I tell people all the time that the things I regret about being on Chelsea is uh, when I was there is not using the mom card. I I, I was the only mom. Yeah. Only one guy had kids at the time with a stay at home wife. I never asked can I leave to go see the Christmas play if we were taping? If we weren't taping, I'd be like, can I come in 30 minutes late? And they they, they okay. But I missed so much stuff. And then they hired Josh Wolf, who I adore, and he, they wanted him to join the writing staff, even though he'd been on the show a lot. And he went in and said, I'll write on the show, but if I have to leave for my son's baseball game, then and we're not doing something super important, I'm gonna go. And they said, no problem. So now I'm there. I've been there for five years. It's a Monday at three, and Josh Wolf has taken off to go see Jacob's baseball game, and Jacob is fourteen. And Jacob's fourteen years old at the time,
0: Mm.
1: and I'm like, "Um, how many you know t ball games have I missed? And they're like, bye, Josh. God, he's the best dad, isn't he the best dad ever? And I, that is my fault because I didn't set that precedent. I didn't say. I didn't know my worth, and that had I approached it in a in a, a a way, they probably would have been okay with it. You know, they probably they, maybe they wouldn't have been okay with it, but I can't be mad because I never asked. So I don't think you can be bitter, Betty, when you haven't when you don't have the balls of a man. So have the balls of a man, and I just talked about this that this women who slay thing in Vegas, which was really fun. And a reporter from an anchor person from Vegas interviewed me. And I talked, I told that story and she said, you know, I would do New Year's Eve. Every New Year's Eve, they'd ask me and I'd do it. And then one day she was talking to some of the male people, male guys, male guys, (laughs) some of the male reporters. And they were like, yeah, I said, no. And she was like, we can say no. Like, it didn't even occur to her to, like, turn down things because right. we always want to be nice and we're so grateful for the opportunity and da-da-da-da. And that's not necessarily a man-woman thing. But, like, you you should accept things. Like, on the other hand, um, one of the first times, the first time Chelsea ever asked me to open for her, right she goes, can you do 20 minutes? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't have 20 minutes. I just started to get back into stand-up. I didn't have 20 minutes of stand-up but I'm like, okay, I'll have 20 minutes in three weeks. And I did the stand-up and Ted, who was her boyfriend at the time, who was the president of E, he goes, oh, you're the perfect foil for Chelsea because you have like similar points of views, but you're the married mom and she's a single girl. And um, And he's like, we'd take you every week if we could. I'm like, you can. My husband is like totally for it, it's fine. And I had to miss my best friend's baby shower that Saturday because it was out of town. There was no way I could do both. And she was really mad about it. And I just said, if I turn it down, she's going to choose somebody else. She's going to have a great time with that person. That person's going to kill it. And I'll be missing out on something that who knows where it could lead. And we eventually made up, and it was fun, and we're still best friends today. But those are sometimes the decisions you have to make. And I made the right one. I made the right one to take the job and Leave my kids when they're little, and I made the right one to miss the baby
0: shower. But also, maybe it goes back to your point of like those are the reasons that you might fear losing your yes. job, or those times true. that you say no. Right, that's, that's a true too. Thing. Yeah, because you know what? I will go back to that. There was in
1: one of those cases, there was a big award show that um, that she was hosting, and she asked just a couple writers to work on the jokes. I was not one of them, and one of the writers that she asked to write on it was working on a movie script that was due in his spare time. And he did say no. And that did bother her and the executives. And I, and I and I don't blame her for being bothered by that. And I don't think he thought it through. And he could have done both. He's brilliant. But there are those things where, like, take a moment, like if you get the email the offer, take a day, ask some advice, think about it, do not leave, and never... Send an email at 2 a.m. No. Never.
0: Great advice. It's
1: very hard to control yourself. It's taken me years. But, uh, yeah. That's why I loved your story about how your sister took your passwords and everything. Sometimes you just need to shut it down and let it go on because even seeing it or reading it or anything like that can be yeah can really hurt and even you Even to
0: this day like four years removed if I see something negative it like breaks me it's so yeah. upsetting and I'm like ah.
1: no I mean I had to block like a hundred tro- trolls last week and um first of all it is fun to block the trolls it feels good and actually when it died down like I woke up every morning and then I'd I'd go down my posts and I'd see a couple of nice things and i would be like ooh, they slipped in this one mean thing you know and so I blocked them. And I was almost kind of sad when it ended. And now
0: they're on to the next thing. Yeah. And they get, and people get so like mad, like they
1: blocked me. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm not going to, of course I'm going to block you. You know, I don't trust you. You hate me. So if I post a photo of my boys on, you know, National Sunday, I, I don't want someone like that being able to see that so that they can write something cruel about my children. So yeah, you show me that you hate me. I don't need to, I don't need to engage with you. I don't need to. You're never going to buy a ticket to my show. Yeah. I don't care if I go down 100 or 200 people. Like, why wouldn't you?
0: One last random question about Chelsea. And you say, or at least I think you said earlier that you felt like Chelsea was your best friend at the time, right? We were, we had a lot of fun and we had a a
1: good time together on the road. Mm -hmm. And because you're, you know, you're working with someone, you're close to them. We were definitely close. Okay. But I mean, not compared to my friends from like my child where I talk to them on the phone every day and still do. But no, I definitely felt close. But when the relationship shifted a little throughout the years, it was okay. It was fine.
0: Did you feel, though, like at the time when you were on the show that you were an integral part of the operation? Because I remember when I saw this, she kind of was just like, well, she was just a writer, like, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Like, did you feel like you were more than that at the time?
1: Well, I was there since the conception of the show. Huge, I yeah. I was on after lately. I was on the panel regularly. I would do sketches right in the, you know, in the beginning where I was Sarah Palin or whatever that they call it, the cold open. I think I'm the most recognizable besides her and Chewie from the show. I know that because people will tell me they won't have me on the show because I'm too much reminder of the Chelsea Lately show and they don't want that show to look like Chelsea Lately. Yeah. And then also, I heard from executives at E that they were not happy with the way the show ended and that therefore I was banned. I've never been on E since for anything. Nothing. Not on Daily Pop, nothing. And I had specials come out and I had things to promote and they won't have me on. Now, that may change this year because I did a special and maybe now it'll change and there's new people. But definitely that is what I was associated with I think people thought we were exactly the same politically, everything, you know, because they saw me there, people that would come on the show and then they were not asked back to be on the show those comics um, sometimes felt maybe I had something to do with it because they thought I was so up there, I've never made any decisions about who got to, I would suggest people Yeah. Um, like I suggested Nico Santos, who's hilarious, who was on um, the Superstore and you know, and he did it a bunch of times and then, then they stopped booking him and I'm like, hope he doesn't think that was because of me. I mean, you know, I, I got you on, I can't. And then I remember Tiffany Haddish was on a bunch of times and then she was no longer on and I years later, not, not as successful as she is now, but years later when she's like on a sitcom, that's what she wanted to talk to me about. Not blaming me, but just like, what happened? Why didn't they ask me back? And I go, please, there is no reason. Just sometimes you know they just decide or she or whatever it was always she it was not anybody else She. it was her show but she just decided whatever that's not she's not into that anymore that's fine it's her show so um so yes I I obviously but I also never went up and insisted that they make me a co-EP or whatever because I felt by asking that it could be which is another thing when you ask for something people just know you've got to be able to walk away if you don't get what you want because by asking for a raise or a title change they can also and not that they would have but they could have turned it around and been like "Mm, you don't seem happy anymore and next thing you know you've you've quit and you're like wait how did i quit like so you have to be really careful especially entertainment of who you share your thoughts with and don't think that someone's your friend and you might think oh by sharing it with this person but you say something, and if that's an, an HR trigger word, they have to report it, and then therefore now you're a liability, and now you have to leave. And so all of that stuff, I don't miss being my own boss, because I, I loved having having it not all be on me the way it is now, but I also love that if I want to go to a game, if I want to leave, I never have to ask In seven years, I think I missed four days of work, never once because I was sick, because I never got sick. And other people would use all those days or say their kids were sick. The husbands, the men, would be like, my son got me sick. I have to stay home. I mean, never once did I do that. And
0: nobody noticed that I did and that's why I found it kind of strange when I read that and, and felt like she was minimizing your contributions to the whole sure. show and,
1: and and that was another thing I that was a misconception too of course it was her show yeah. she had every right to make that decision what was best for her career she gave all of us a great job for seven years I had no resentment about her ending the show early or not early or whatever um are not continuing no I just told an honest story of how I found out about it and how I found out about it was a TMZ article while I was on the way to the Laker game and which was the funniest part of the the story which is why the story got out is when I read it I said it and my two boys go does that mean we're not going to be able to go to cool stuff like this anymore because it was like a PR thing and I was able to get like the good seats and I was like maybe not so enjoy every day while you can enjoy it so and and like I just said I I I wasn't necessarily um, totally distraught about it ending either because I knew it was going to force me to go do something else. And after seven years, most shows most shows end in seven season. It's kind of it's kind of like a good seven year thing. But that particular late night show, I think, could have lasted if she wanted, or I think she could have like given the baton to someone else or done other things and showed up. But that was just not going to work out. I think with the way things work out in TV. But
0: yeah. Well, who would have thunk? You've got Juicy Scoop. Is it year 4 of Juicy Scoop? Yes, I've had it Holy for 4 years. Balls. That's a long yes. time. How long do you think this can go? Well, I, what I love
1: about it is that I really it's something I always thought I could do. Like you, even when I was a, a little kid working at the secret, I always thought, well, like I can see myself being I always want to be a mom. Always. So I'm like, oh, I can see myself um writing books and my children will interrupt me. And when I was writing the first book, my son was like three or, at the time and he'd come in and be like, When can we go in the pool? and like interrupt me. And I always thought and I um and I'd also like to have a radio show that I could record for my house. Now, when I thought of that twenty five years ago, very few people could do that. You know, and I like literally thought one day there'll be a time where you can just record stuff from your home and and um So I think that the show can last a very, very long time because it's topical and I like it. So I'm never going to run out of it. I'm never, you know, I love crime shows, but eventually eventually you know you may run out of women killing their husbands i'll never i'll never run out of something to talk about because if a show dies or it's not hot anymore i'll just move on to another one well, there's always going to be a bravo show yeah there's always going to be and there's always going to be news to talk about or something interesting or a guest that has an interesting book or a life story which i'm always into so with my next special um which i produced myself and we're finishing the editing now and hopefully it will be obtained by a large network so everyone can see it. If not, I'll make sure you see it someplace else. But I actually, they're like, Oh, what's going to be the title. And my first show was called, I don't mean to brag. And then it was like, you know, just like a little funny thing, but I'm like, I actually, I'm going to have juicy scoop behind me, not my name because I'm like, let's, if nothing else, people will discover the show. And I've trademarked juicy scoop. I, you know, I'm happy. I'm the only host. That I didn't pair up with someone just because, not because I don't want to share the profits, but because people change, they get in fights, and maybe they get a movie, maybe they get a TV show. When I thought about first doing the podcast, those were the things I thought about. Like, let me just do it by myself. And then I called it Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald, because I'm like, who knows what it might become? Like, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson is now The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. So I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll have some... You know, younger person or maybe, you know, something if it ever got really big, maybe someone wanted to do it in a different country and I could be part of it. Like I that's kind of what the thought process was.
0: You've got the housewives, which, oh, my gosh we got to do a, a couple impersonations. And then yeah. we've got like Kim Goldman for all of the true crime people. Yes. OJ's
1: sister. He... I'm not OJ sister. Sorry. Ron Goldman. Ron Goldman's
0: yeah. sister. That was a recent yeah. episode. And then of course, Oh my gosh, Farrah Abraham. What a get. Well, you know, she
1: reached out to me. She did. And, and a few years ago, she was pitched to me when I was at podcast one. And I actually was never, I never watched, um, Teen mom and I'd heard such controversial stuff About her that I was like I don't think I need to do that but then When it came around this time I was like You know what she's still around She's still so polarizing I would just like to know her story And she came in and I said You know hey Farah, I'm like I know that you've walked off Interviews before (laughs) and you get Pissed off and I go and I don't want that to happen Here is there anything I can't ask you And she goes no ask me everything so I asked her about her her anal mold she made a mold of her anus and sold it and she answered it and she was like well whatever yeah i had sex with james dean the porn star a lot of girls have okay you know i liked that she was so honest and right away she posted about it with her two million followers huge. and i've had people that refused to even do a swipe up She was so good about posting. She immediately like sent me this email, introduced me to this person that she thought might be good for us to work together on a different thing. Okay. So look, you know, yes, was there some things that I knew people would be like rolling their eyes (laughs) over, but you know what? I believe that she said everything she believes. And if she believes that about herself and sees her in that light, well, good for her.
0: A lot of people want to know who your favorite person you've ever had on is. I mean,
1: I really like Lala Kent. I've had her on two or three times. I think she's really funny. I like her her gangster sassiness. Um, again, when I had her on, I hadn't watched the show from the beginning. Now I watch it all the time. I like Randall. He's They're really funny together. Like they have a good, funny chemistry. So, She's someone that like I met by becoming a guest that I became friendly, somewhat friendly with, you know, pretty friendly with afterwards. So I like her, you know, obviously my good friends that I have on all the time, like Chris Frangiola and Fortune and Sarah and Jen. I love seeing my my friends like that all the time. But probably for someone that's like, I wouldn't, I didn't know what to expect. Like, I really, I really find her funny and I and I like it.
0: Who have you not had on That's like a, a dream for you
1: I've always wanted to have Madonna oh. <laughs> As a little kid When I'd see like of Madonna Every couple of years she'd be like on Oprah you know, Promoting some new like album And I always thought we'd be like great friends And I would always lo- And I would just love to talk to her one day So you know if I'm going to like shoot for the stars that, that would be one I just read Debbie Moore's book Of course I'd love to talk to Debbie Moore Yep and then sometimes people really surprise me, you know, someone suggests someone and sometimes I'm like, oh, what is this gonna be like, you know? Or I, did, or I don't think it's gonna be juicy. Like, I love the owner of Wen and Chaz Dean, and I was socially friendly with him. So I had him come on the show and, he, and I knew there would be a lot about his business that I couldn't ask because there was like some lawsuit thing happening. And I go, God, I, what am I gonna talk to him about, you know? And the first thing I said was, Chaz D. now that can't be a real name like how did you come up with that great name and out came the most juicy, intriguing inspiring story about being adopted, he was adopted and he goes well really I don't know what really my real name is because and he tells this whole adoption story and about his siblings and, and the way he is about numbers and why numbers in his life show significance and it was like so, and that was one that I was like I I didn't even know like where it was going to go or if it was going to be just kind of like a big commercial for when hair like it it
0: wasn't you know impersonation question yes you obviously watch The Bachelor or at least keep up with it we had several requests for John Paul Jones
1: oh god I don't I don't really well first of all I don't really do guys though I have been doing Scott Disick with his flipping house I mean I mean I told Chris who knew that Hidden House was going to be such a great place now I'm redoing houses Making five or six million dollars cause I broke down a wall between the living room and the dining room. I mean who oh, that's you know, that's my brand. Um but I don't
0: know if I can I don't really remember him though. I I mean I remember him being funny. My personal favorite that that you do, I think uh it has to be Dorit.
1: Thank you. Do you know I just bought a new house in Encino, mind you. Actually, I didn't buy it. We're renting because P.K. and I don't know if we're going to like the valley very much, but I'm so excited because we're just down the street from Kyle and there's a big yard for Phoenix and Jagger to play in, mind you, and it's absolutely gorgeous and it's traditional and this way I'd It's so much easier for me to film with Kyle, you know, and I can design my Beverly Beach bikinis. Do you know that we were in the cover of Kitson, in Mind? You can you believe it?
0: It's right on. It is spot Thank on. Thank
1: you. I like her. Uh, she, she and PK make the show very fun. So I um, keep them on forever.
0: Side note: What do you think about Lisa Vanderpump leaving? You know, I I like Lisa Vanderpump.
1: I think she adds to it, but I mean, I do think she's not coming back, and I think she personally doesn't need it. You know, with the other show. And all of that, but it is kind of sad because she was one of the originals, and she really was just—it's it it's like you couldn't have created this person if you wanted to, with the, the dogs and the ponies and the and Ken and the Pandora, and I've got Rosé and Diamond and my little mini horses, and I got Hanky and Panky and the Jigster and Harrison, and oh, I mean it's absolutely um. I've got 400 employees. I don't know who brought back Lucy Juicy Apple. I I just wanted the dogs to have a happy home and to reach not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I
0: certainly didn't think that the dog wouldn't be taken well care of. It's so true. Okay, thoughts on another OG being demoted, Vicky.
1: I think that is bravo like any other huge corporation letting them, letting their top CEOs know that they're replaceable and you better not dial it in and you better bring it because I don't understand why they would have demoted her at all, except to let the other people know, because there's now a lot of people that are at that really high um, salary and, you know, that have been around for a lot of years. And I think her being the original number one, look, Heather debro has gone. You know, we're not we're never going to get people that have a 20 million dollar house on the show. And the viewers have to know that the real estate porn aspect of the show is gone because anybody that has a 20 million dollar home, their husband is not going to expose their life and possibly be thrown in jail because they pay their maid under the table. They're not doing it. So, we're only going to get people like Gina living in a casita that's willing to share every awful part of her life including her bad hair extensions. <laughs> we're only we're not going to get that anymore. So people need to realize that this is where we're at and either get on board and still enjoy the show or move
0: on. Also, I have a suggestion for the next Barbie reenactment seen. Yes. Yes. I tell think me. you should do the dinner with Bethany when she's like, the, life is not a cabaret, Luann. I did it. Why haven't I seen it?
1: It's go back. It has the most views ever. It's, oh,
0: damn it. And it, it. Go, go back.
1: It's oh. it's when they're in Miami, right? And she's yes. wearing I have a black, she has a black strapless. I'll
0: send it to you and then you can like post it. She freaked out at dinner. I could talk about Housewives forever. The last thing. Yes. Kristen Smith said, can you secret a man for Olivia? Well, somebody wrote to me saying that they think they have someone for you. Oh, no.
1: It's someone on Below Deck. I have to look it up.
0: It's Adam. Adam the chef? Yeah.
1: No, it wasn't him.
0: Really? It was somebody
1: else who said, I listened and he's tall and she's tall and he has some ties to Austin and he's someone, it could be on, I don't know which season it was on the
0: Below Deck. I have to look up the email. Please get back to me on this.
1: Yes. But again, that's but but they then they thought that might work with you flying around and him being on boats. I don't know. I mean, everybody's cute on the show. I mean, I know it was somebody cute, so I don't, but I just can't remember which show or which cast member. And then I got a lot, I got a lot of people that said, I'm five foot tall and my boyfriend six two, sorry, not sorry. Oh, I'm sure. And I was like, well, they weren't being mad. They liked it. They liked the conversation that.
0: It's a, it's in a very important conversation.
1: Yeah. And I had to look for a tall guy, but a lot of people said, you know what? They dated tall people their whole life. And a shorter guy walked up to them and, and that was you it. know, rocked their world and they're married. And so like, don't, I definitely think people shouldn't be stuck on types. I,
0: I'm totally aware I'm limiting myself yes. in my life. Okay. I kept you longer than I thought. I'm so sorry. So let me tell everybody where they can find me. So I have, I have live shows
1: where, um, you know, it's my standup, but it's also the best of the podcast and you don't need to. Be familiar with me to love my show. So if you're bringing your husband or something, it's not like we only talk about Housewives or anything like that. It's very relatable. All those shows are at heathermcdonald.net. Coming up, I'm going to be in Thousand Oaks, October 18th and 19th at the Thousand Oaks Civic Center. And then I've got St. Louis, Nashville, Detroit, and Chicago in November. So check those out. And see if maybe you will come see me live. I'd love that. And of course, Juicy Scoop every Tuesday and Thursday.
0: And then follow Heather McDonald because she posts the Barbie reenactment. Yes, on Instagram.
1: I always put the videos on Instagram as well as YouTube and Facebook.
0: Okay, Heather. Thank you. Listen to Juicy Scoop. Go to the Thanks. stand up. Bye, hun. Bye.